One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Study, and the Ohio Conference wisely assigned him as Matthew's mentor. So uh, we're, you're already receiving, I guess, whatever, the, whatever good Dan has he to share, he's, he's shared with Matthew. Look forward to that relationship going ahead. Uh, and let's, let's pray, Dan. God, thank you for this chance to sit at your feet and hear from what, hear from what Dan has pulled from your word today for us. Uh, thank you for his life, for his service to you for his desire to um, share and be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good to be back with you again. I always enjoy coming here. And once in a while, I catch Matthew's messages also on, on the computer online. Several months ago, my brother-in-law and his wife invited Jeanette and me to their home to, to watch a, a, a video, a movie series. It's on one of those subscription packages like Roku or Hulu that we don't have on our TV. It's an ongoing series called The Chosen, featuring the life of Jesus. <clears throat> one of the first episodes features Jesus' call to some fishermen along the seashore, as we, just, as we just saw in our scripture text. It's a major turning point in Simon's, Simon Peter's life when Upon obeying Jesus' orders to cast the nets once again, the, the nets begin to fill with fish and to the, to the point where two boats are nearly uh, sinking. In response, uh, Simon Peter falls at Jesus' feet and asks him to leave. Instead, Jesus says, don't be afraid. 
From now on, you will catch people. Does it strike you as unusual that Simon Peter and his co-workers would leave everything on the spot to follow Jesus, their, their livelihood, their careers, just leave it right there and follow Jesus? At some point after this scene, the movie's creator imagines the following conversation between Jesus and Simon Peter. Simon asks, Master, why did you just do such and such? And Jesus replies with a twinkle in his eyes, get used to different. My sister-in-law ordered this shirt for me. And uh, I thought of wearing it today, and I thought, well, I'll be a little cooler in this uh, guayabera, this Spanish kind of shirt. It is perhaps just a few months later when we find Jesus speaking to a crowd on, gathered on the mountainside, and most likely Simon Peter is in, that, is in that crowd. But it's a very different message from the norm, from the normal rabbi or Pharisee or teacher. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. And then there's a series of you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. Things like murder, adultery, swearing, and treatment of one's enemies. And there is more that is different. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't worry about tomorrow what you eat or drink or put on. Do not judge others. Reviewing these words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, I was reminded of Donald Crable's book, The Upside-Down Kingdom. I pulled it off the shelf and dusted it off for a, a brief perusal and discovered that much of the material in that book is still relevant today, even though it was written in 1978. The thesis of that book is this. The kingdom of God is an inverted or upside-down way of life in contrast to the usual or prevailing social order, end quote. He uses the image of two ladders side by side. One represents the kingdom of God, and the other ladder represents the typical kingdoms of this world. And he says that something of high value on one ladder is found at the bottom of the other ladder, and vice versa. <clears throat> I'd like us to explore briefly three broad areas where following Jesus will require us to get used to different. Let's look at, briefly at power, wealth, and wisdom. If you're taking notes, that's easy to jot down, maybe at least those three words. Power, wealth, and wisdom. <clears throat> in regards to power, we live in a society that is addicted to power. Take, for example, military power. Last year, our country's military budget was $738 billion. Number two was China with $193 billion, just a quarter of ours. And you'd have to add up China and the next 14 countries to equal our military spending. There is also political power. It's a constant tug of war between left and right such as I have never seen before in my lifetime. No room for give and take. No time for spirited 
but uh, respectful debate. Instead, it's often my way or the highway. But the kingdom of God turns power upside down. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God delights in taking the small, the weak, the insignificant, and doing big things. David against Goliath. The mustard seed. And the young, poor Jewish girl chosen by God to give birth to the Son of God. Second, the matter of wealth. Jesus warned his listeners over and over again about the potential dangers of wealth including the time when he told a rich young man to sell everything he had and give to the poor in order to follow him. And he watched the guy walk away sadly because wealth had too strong a grip on his heart. Paul repeats the warning in 1 Timothy 6, quote, the love of money, note carefully, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that can plunge a person into ruin and destruction. By contrast, Paul says, if we have food and clothing, what, what's the rest of that? We will be content with that. <clears throat> Speaking of different when it comes to wealth, one of my heroes is the story of Jacob Shank of Harrisonburg, Virginia. I wonder if any of you have ever heard of that story. In 1932... He bought a failing chicken, chick hatchery and built it into one of the most successful chicken businesses in Virginia. But as his wealth increased, his lifestyle did not. He stayed living in the same modest home. He continued to drive uh, used high-mileage vehicles. But he, could, but he started giving more and more to mission causes, to, to, uh, to charitable causes. In fact, during the last eight years of his life, he was living on 10% of his income and giving 90% to, uh, to hospitals, Mennonite education, and mission work. Sometime during those eight years, IRS took note of his financial records and, and said, there's got to be a problem here. They came and they searched through his books and finding no irregularities, they left shaking their heads in disbelief. Let's consider thirdly, of the idea of wisdom when it comes to this upside-down kingdom. <clears throat> what does wisdom look like in this upside-down kingdom? I love the scene in Matthew 10 when Jesus is speaking to a crowd which includes, I can imagine, some learned Pharisees watching him critically from a distance. He lifts his eyes toward heaven and he says, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things, the things he had been speaking about, from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. The Apostle Paul also speaks to the matter of wisdom. In a rather long discourse in the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, he paints a distinct contrast between God's wisdom and the world's view of wisdom. I'll quote just a small portion of it. As the scriptures say, 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. He goes on. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes when God called you. Instead, God chose the, the things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Reading the rest of that passage in 1 Corinthians, one concludes that true wisdom in the upside-down kingdom is to humbly admit that you don't have all the answers, to rely instead on the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom from God, which might very well look different than the prevailing views of our culture when it comes to wisdom. <clears throat> Imagine now that, that you are face to face with Jesus and he looks directly in your eyes with a little twinkle in his and he says, get used to different. Get used to different. Which brings me to this question. How has following Jesus made your life different? whether in relation to one of these three areas, power, wealth, or wisdom, or in some other way? It's a question I'd like you to think about this week. How has following Jesus made my life different? Allow me to share, since I have the pulpit, a few personal examples. Perhaps I can hear uh, uh, from some of you later when we have lunch together uh, in, in answering that question. <clears throat> Regarding wealth, I'm nowhere near Jacob Shank in generous giving, don't get me wrong. But when each of my two COVID stimulus checks came from IRS, I decided I didn't need them, so I passed them on to several worthy causes. I suppose some of you did the same thing. But I'm quite certain that if you did, it was a different response than the majority of recipients in our country. <clears throat> My so-called retirement experience, now about four and a half years into it, has thus far turned out differently than what I'd expected. In moving back to Dover from, from Louisville, Beach Mennonite Church, in November of, of 2016, I assumed that during the winter months, I'd do a little woodworking in my, in my garage and, and a little extra reading while looking ahead to the next summer of gardening and beekeeping and travel. <laughs> but by February 2017, as an ADHD kind of person, I was in trouble. I told Jeanette that I had to get out of my rocking chair <laughs> and do something. A friend suggested that I look into a job as an interpreter at Dover High School for Hispanic students. As they say, the rest is history as I plan to return again in the fall to this part-time job, about 20 hours a week, that I thoroughly enjoy. Here's a side note then, if you'll permit me, from my work at school that relates to being different. <clears throat> this spring, during American history classes, I noticed that in our textbook, over, over 1,100 pages thick, American history textbook, there were just three sentences about conscientious objectors. I stuck my neck out and I asked my teacher if I, could, if I could share my experience as a CO during Vietnam War. She said, sure, go ahead. 
So I wrote up a five-minute speech, gave translated copies to my Spanish students, there's just a few students in each of my classes, so that they'd know what I was saying, but I uh, obviously gave my little presentation to, to the whole class, four different uh, classes in, in English. I explained that those of us who were approved as COs by our draft board were, were permitted to serve our country in other ways than the military. I told them that those two years in the jungles of Nicaragua on a medical team changed my life forever. And in a very real sense, I concluded, because of that choice, I am now with you here at Dover High School, helping Hispanic students. <clears throat> in addition to my work at the high school, Jeanette and I are becoming busier and busier with a wide variety of needs among the Guatemalans in the Dover, New Philly area. An increasing number of phone calls and texts for things like translating medical records and bills, helping families look for housing, studying for driver's license tests, taking food and diapers and clothing to single moms with kids. One situation in particular stands out <clears throat> recently. Well, about a year ago, we learned to know a woman with three young children. Her boyfriend had just been deported back to Guatemala, so she was and she was unable to find work and or childcare. In reality, she was homeless, really. A number of us in Dover, New Philly, working with Hispanics, helped provide for her many needs as she moved at least five times in the, in the space of about 11 months from one place to another. Thankfully, she finally came to the conclusion that she and her children would be better off back home. Again, a group of us helped her get passports and luggage and plane tickets to return. Last Saturday, a week from yesterday, was the big day. She made it back safely to join her boyfriend and to be close to her mother and other family members. And in fact, just got a phone call from her this morning when we left the house. She still wants us to do something for her here, even though she's back in Guatemala. So I'm not sure that story will ever end. <laughs> So our lives at present are a bit different than we had expected. It doesn't really seem like anything heroic to us. Just, just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the so-called stranger that he tells us to welcome in Matthew 25, if you recall. But I suppose that many of our neighbors, some of whom are doing the, the typical, the normal retirement thing, must think we're a little weird. Not all of us, of course, have the same calling. God leads us in different ways. But all of us, I would, I would say, who desire to follow Jesus should expect to hear him say, get used to difference. What does that mean in your life? Let's pray. God, thank you for being here with us, present in this place this morning by your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for your word and for the stories, Old and New Testament, that point us to you. From the five sisters who sought justice, and you changed your mind and had new laws written, to the calling of, of Peter and his, and his co-workers, to the calling of us today. Wherever that journey began with each of us, wherever that journey began with you, 
to the present time. Help us to look back and recall those times, those events, those situations that were distinctly different than the norm. And then to look ahead to how your spirit might be speaking to us personally about, about your call on our lives and how that might result in something different than the world's way. Bless us. Bless this congregation. Bless the Petersons on, on their vacation time away. And bless us as we seek to do your will. In, in the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen.